The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Remember, if you put in nothing, it'll be nothing. Like your career? It rang a little inauthentic. I asked myself, did a black person really write this? Think about me doing hip hop. Doing what to it? This is about creating something that is mine. You're not just talking about shit. You're making shit. Shit. Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And uh, we are here uh, sitting in the same room together. uh, Side by each. Side by each, as some people say, (laughs) uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, taking uh, all kinds of COVID precautions. uh, Feeling good about our choices and our... um, our and science and our antibodies and antibodies yep. and and we feel good we hope you feel good too mm-hmm. i think yeah there's more something hopeful about being in the same room it really is <laughs> there really is it feels like uh like the world's changing a little bit now of course we won't be next time because we don't live in the same place we just happen to be in the same place Absolutely. for this recording indeed Um, And what are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about a movie whose title, when you say it to people, people blink uh, because they're not quite sure always what you're saying. You have to to enunciate it. So we're going to be talking about the 40-year-old version, not the 40-year-old virgin. The 40-year-old version from 2020 on Netflix. Yes, indeed. So if you watch the 40-year-old virgin, great, Steve Carell. Good times. But... Uh, this is is different, so um, go back to Netflix and find it, and then join us because I think this one is is worth a look and worth a conversation. Absolutely. So, Aizen, when did you uh, first hear about Forty Year Old Version? I think believe this is one that you flagged as one that we should do. Oh, thank you. I will take credit. Um, certainly, it was uh, because it was flagged for me. Um, it uh, showed up on a couple of lists of movies from 2020 to look out for, particularly um, written and directed by women lists. And so I said, let's do this before I even investigated much further, <laughs> uh, which it doesn't always work out. You know, listen to the barbed wire episode. <laughs> sometimes I make mistakes, but this one I can stand by, I think. Um, how about you? Yeah, sometimes homework is a good thing. Um, I knew about this from lists of great movies coming out of Sundance that last year. I didn't really read deep into it. The um, title put me off a little bit, which we'll get to. And the timing, too. Like, <laughs> there were, unfortunately, and I think there's a lot of movies and other pieces of art and culture that maybe did not get. Um, the press or the exposure or the whatever word you want because 
the world was falling apart. So I hope being on Netflix helps to um, balance that out a little bit. Yeah. And, so, uh, and, and I also, I, uh, so, so I knew, and it made, made a few top 10 lists from critics that I uh, uh, like to read um, this last year. So it was sort of bubbling in the background for me and I knew it fit our, the profile of the kind of movies we do. So when you suggested it, I thought, well, that's great. And then I will say that since then, uh, I've, in one of my classes, I've got a grad student who, who is going to take over to, a day and teach. And this is the movie that uh, she's decided to have them watch and for oh, us to great. discuss. So oh, fabulous. we're going to, we're going to have an academic discussion about it in the classroom uh, in the coming weeks. I love it. That's so awesome. Hopefully my students are listening to this now and getting all the answers that they need. And they yes. <laughs> this is the pre-homework homework. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, extra, extra credit if you've listened to this. Ooh, absolutely. On that note, Tobin, can you give us a little bit of film history? Um, since this has become an academic podcast related <laughs> yes, to your class. Exactly. Uh, um, I will try to cite my sources. Um, so the movie, uh, the 40-year-old version, uh, based on a web series by the same, made by the same creator, it's loose, loosely autobiographical. Uh, not a surprise, given that uh, she has her, the character has her same name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the, the, the real Rada Blank uh, had a, some off-Broadway success in the um, 2000s with the, particularly the play called Seed. Um, she lost her mom in her late 30s. Um, but then uh, the, some differences too. So she has been in the intervening years writing for the TV series Empire and uh, She's Gotta Have It. So she she had a, 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 um, a, a, she would say a thriving television career prior to making this. Oh, great. That's, I didn't know that, but that tracks for me with the, I think, a skill that she demonstrates in the film as an amateur um, rapping artist. And and clearly her, I think what came, one of the things that came through for me was um, her love and respect for the genre and kind of, you know, she's seemed grounded in the history of it, which, and, and um, I don't know if I have seen Empire episodes that she wrote on or not, but that, that feels true with how the world of empire is built as well. So yeah. that's, that's cool. Thank you for that. Cool. Cool. Uh, um, the other thing is that uh, she won the best director prize at the Sundance film festival last year for this movie. So it, it came not only with a, and I think, I guess I don't know. I didn't, I didn't look up to see whether Netflix had hand, had a hand in producing it in terms of paying mm-hmm. for it, or if they bought it out of Sundance. I mean, she's got to have it as a Netflix show, I think. So there's maybe some history there. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, but it, but she won a big prize out of uh, out of Sundance, which is uh, pretty cool. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. All right, so could you take us through uh, Ladies in Charge, women involved in major roles in the 40-year-old version? I would love to. I'm excited. This is a great list. It's also a list that I um, – these are a lot of new names to me. I'm going to go at it with confidence and also, I'm sure that I will get some incorrect, and so apologies there. Um, as a person with an odd, uh, mm-hmm. unusual name, a lot of vowels. Uh, I'm, you know, I, f- I feel good about it. So here we go. Okay, I'm not nervous. Okay. I'm not nervous. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Writer director, Rada Blank. <laughs> Actors, Rada Blank, Imani Lewis, Hesgiri Velasquez, Stacy Sargent. Producers, Rada Blank, Jennifer Semier, Enuka Bakot Kapiga, Lena Waithe, and Travit Willis. 
Casting by Jessica Daniels. Production design by Valerie DeFelice. Art direction, Katie Fleming. Set direction, Lauren Crawford. And costume design, Sarah Williams. Excellent list. Quite a list. Quite a list. I'm, and I, that doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that we have quite a list at all. That feels in line. Um, Now I feel like you've helped to make me, I don't want to say an expert, but like, I'm certainly more well-read when it comes to lady filmmakers Mm. and and ladies behind the scenes. So I don't know. I thank you for that. And, and this list, um, it feels right in line with what we do. I mean, this is this is kind of why we do this podcast, is a movie like this, right? Totally, totally, totally. And 57 regular episodes in, um, I've detected a pattern that uh, we end up, the more recent the movie in general, the bigger this list is. That, Ooh, that in general, point. when you go back to the to the earlier uh, movies, even movies that we've we talked about that are you know um, groundbreaking, groundbreaking, they're they're still. I'm not dinging as many dings. Mm-hmm. So um, here's to the dings. Absolutely, and which is likely mirrored in in many other industries. Um, uh, we're recording this in in March, late March, and yesterday was um, what we call Equal Pay Day um, for white women um it's it's different based on other categories other identities um but meaning that for the money that a white dude made in 2020 it took this far into 2021 for a a woman in a comparable job to make the same amount crazy Um, crazy and still i mean here's what it's march this year it's you know when i was on campuses and we would hold events on this day it was typically in april so Thanks for the extra change, <laughs> but um, certainly we we know we can do much better. TED Talk over, um, but I agree. The list gets longer, and hopefully, it's also getting longer and more profound in other industries as well. Here, 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 here. Moving, moving forward. Moving forward. So, Tobin, would you please? I'm so excited for your summary because I feel like this is both a tiny and a huge movie right, at the same right, time. Right. So, go for it. Okay, here's what I've got. The 40-year-old version is a comic drama about Rada, a down-on-her-luck playwright who's just about to turn 40. She hasn't had a major play produced in a decade when she won a major 30 Under 30 award. She's teaching theater to a group of high school kids, and she's having to make serious concessions to a white theater producer to get her latest play produced on Broadway. As her creative voice is increasingly, is increasingly stifled and worse warped to fit the latent desires of a white theater-going public. She finds a fresh outlet in hip-hop, partnering with a beatmaker named D, and getting back in touch with her true creative spark, proving that the only thing better than her 20-something self is the 40-year-old version. Nicely done! <laughs> Thank you. Oh, see, that was see what I did there? You did that. It was great. I loved it. I loved it. And I really liked this movie. Me too, me too. The first thing I have to say, though, Tobin. Yeah. So I, I have not done a lot of research. You do more than I do for this podcast in general. <laughs> they just show up and sparkle. Um, but I read that the title is a purposeful play on the 40-year-old virgin. And I, I don't think it benefits from that. I think it that leads to more confusion than benefit. I don't know. 
and I, I would not tell someone what the title should be, but, but yeah, I just, I don't think that was the strongest direction to go in. Um, what are your thoughts on the title? I feel like the title would probably be a great idea for the web series um, as a way of getting it. Um, that sounds bad when I say getting attention, but, you know, you to try and stand out. Getting recognition. You know, getting recognition, like, uh, you know, someone sees something, is named this, and they're like, oh, I wonder what that is. Like, because mm-hmm. it's close enough to a very famous other movie that has very other, very different concerns than this movie does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, 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 I bumped up against the title as well. And um, I understand it. I feel like I understand it conceptually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worry that it doesn't that the movie's better than that yeah. like it feels like the movie is better than the title the title feels like a like a, a cheaper joke i guess maybe than the movie is i don't know that was my no, take a- agreed and i think you know i got it where at the conclusion of the movie her final um well, her final um, performance on stage, at least her, her final performance is right. on the street, but on, on stage at opening night of her, um, her play, I'm putting her play in quotes at that point in, right. the, in the story, <laughs> but she, that's where the name made sense to me, right? Because it's right. part of the, um, the, what are the initials? The initials? F, the F, um, F-Y-O-V. For oh, a Euro yes, version yes, yes, that she yes. repeats, right. and it and there are different phrases that fit in it. So right. if it were me, I don't know. I might have gone with FYOV. Yes, oh. FYOV instead because it means so many things. Yeah, that's in the end because right. it is a callback. She says it. Right, right, right. But she said, as you say, she says other things for the acronym. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's I don't know that a random acronym is any better. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, Two tickets for FYOV. Yeah, because yeah. I get, I get, I get it then but it's still yeah i just it would bum me out if if people were turned off to the point of not seeing it mm-hmm. so i'm here to say see the movie even if the name is also something that that gives you hesitation as it did me i wonder if one of the things that saves that a little bit is that it's not a theatrical release that it is on netflix so it's never going to come up on netflix and you not see the image sure it's never going to be just the name and so you see that image and you're like oh that's not what that's i think of when when i mumble my way through 40 year old version and you you know can or or ask for it at the theater or whatever um so yeah i, I don't know streaming just changed all kinds of things in that way and mm-hmm. in ways that that you know in very practical way. So, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But, um, yeah, I bumped up against the title, too. I'm, I'm going to look for clips of Rada talking about it yeah. um, herself. And so, if other people have those already and you want to tweet me, tweet them at me. That's great, too. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, Jen, yes, is yes. I want to ask you about the, the visual style, which is this film is 99% in black and white. Yes. In, in my recollection, that's not the word I wanted because I watched it yesterday. Um, in my viewing of it, the very, the final yes. scene turns to color. We see the skirt becomes pink. We see the lights and the streetlight. I also thought that the um, split second image of testicles was also in color. It was. Okay. And let me just go back to, this is something I've said for years. Toby. Yes. Testicles should never be a surprise. <laughs> In any, in any context. Indeed. And this is a motto I've had ever since um, two of my friends 
um, Jose. Hello, Jose. I love Jose. you so much. Um, and and another person um, dragged me to uh, the film Step Brothers. Ah. Uh. They had already seen it. They wanted to watch me watch that movie. <laughs> yes, okay. So they paid $12 each yeah. to watch me watch that movie, in part because there is a surprise testicles on a drum kit moment. Mm-hmm. And that is where the phrase was born. Right. Testicles should never be a surprise. And it has come up, Tobin, in my life multiple <laughs> yeah. times that I've had to repeat that. I'm sorry. It should be a thing you have to, have so to repeat So I'm just going to say again, testicles should not be a surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. In this case... I'm okay with it. It didn't ruin the film for me, but just in general. But they were in color. They were, I mean, as as colorful as, much, as, as old white balls yep, are. Yep, yep. Um, in any case, so that's um, clearly very intentional yep. visual journey. Yep. From, as a filmmaker, did that work for you? What What are the circumstances that, like, why would you make something that's black and white? What? Tell me about black and white. What's really what, what I loved? One of the things I loved about this movie is that the 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 vaguely DIY run and gun um, coming of age artist in New York movie is I was going to say almost always, but I think you could probably say always a early to mid twenty something genre, mm. and a lot of them are black and white and handheld and documentary style, and then also very. Um, uh, using a lot of different kinds of techniques. You know, there are other film stocks used here, and there's these, these sections in color and different um, aspect ratios when we're seeing her writing the play and we're seeing the people and the actors stand in front yes, of the, you know. That was color as well. That was color as well. And what I, what I, um, I think that um, what's so cool and so refreshing about this and something that um, in the interviews that I read uh, by uh, Rada Blank, uh, interviews people had, had had with her is that she was very intentional about th- that. Like this, these, this uh, people can come of age artistically and find success and find themselves, like whatever success means in in this context, at at all kinds of ages. And it's not just the province of twenty year olds. Thank God. Yeah, that's you know? a, absolutely. No, I I love that connection because definitely as so we are straddling that yes. line. I'm okay to say you, out loud. I'm, yeah, I'm over forty. You're under forty. Right, but we're we're both dancing with forty in some way, mm-hmm. um, and 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 you are an artist by trade. I am, and and I think I have an artist's heart. It's not how <laughs> I make my money. Yeah, um, but uh, but certainly I'm at least adjacent to it, and so so yeah. There's so much, and as someone who loves teen and coming of age type totally, movies, totally. I think refreshing is such a great word for this. And then I'm sort of embarrassed to say that because why should it be refreshing? Yeah. <laughs> of course, people have turning points and careers start and, and careers change. I mean, there's a lot of sort of commentary around her as a teacher. Right. And whether or not that is a signal of not failure, but of compromise mm-hmm. in some way mm-hmm. or not. Um, and I definitely want to talk about how the students... The failure side of compromise. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's a good way to say that. And I definitely want to talk about how the students play into this, because yeah. that was also really refreshing. Yeah, totally. Did not go any of the places no, I no, thought no. it No, no, no. Never would, did. Right? Never did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I agree. Refreshing. 
And I thank you. I see now a little better how the visual part fits. I think the other thing that's, um, you know, given when the movie goes to color for these vivid imagined sequences in the middle of them and then the rest of it's in black and white. And the, the thing underlying it emotionally through the movie is the, the, the death of her mother. And one of the things that we see... You know, her mother died a year before the movie's taking place, give or take. Um, and one of the things we see later on in the movie, it, uh, there are images, still images of her mother, um, you know, photographs, and then also uh, her art that we see at first in black and white in the movie, like in the world of the movie. And then we see later shots of that and other other pieces of art in color. Um, and what's really... So and then then that last image as as D and Rada are walking away and doing the little you know improv rap and and the movie and the color comes back into the frame, you get this sense of the color is drained from her life with the death of her mother and that this is about finding her voice as a way of honoring her mother's spirit and through that the color comes back into the movie is I think thematically how they're linking the color and the black and white to what's going on in the movie. I did not get that before, I'll be honest. But when you say it, I'm like, of course. And that makes it not only refreshing, but but so beautiful and um, poignant. Yeah, and I any just... of my students that want to pick that line up and bring it to class, <laughs> go, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, I just, I mean, this is going to be, I have so many, there's so much I liked about this movie. Um and, and I think so many aspects of it are great. That then also makes a couple of the things that didn't work as well for me shine brighter oh, a little bit. But um, You mean shine brighter like work better or shine brighter like stand out more? Stand as, out okay, like me. tell me. So tell me. Let's talk a little okay. bit about that. Again, love the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love what it's doing. Love Rada um, as a character and as a creative force in the movie. I do love the relationship between her and Archie. So Archie is her friend from high school. So we also see them going to prom together in high school. Very funny. And um, and her agent yep. currently. And and there's some aspects I don't entirely like. You see the conversations between Jay Whitman, which is the white producer, and Archie. And then when Archie translates that to Rada as the client, it's very different. And you don't know right away that there is some sexual harassment included in getting this play put up and all that. Um, I I liked their relationship and, and the complexity and the we meant something very specific to each other 20 years ago and finding out what they mean to each other now. I like that journey. As a performance, I, I didn't love Archie's performance. And I wasn't sure if that was, you know, her, her brother in the film is her brother. Right? Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So also brother, sister. <laughs> Here we go. Put me in a movie. Okay. okay. Um, but so I don't know if that's, if that's part of the autobiographical part and that's why he was in that role. I'm not familiar with that actor. I just, I guess the choices that he made were maybe not always the choices I would. I just, you know, whenever he had multiple lines, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't, I didn't believe his performance as as much as other folks in the film. 
I had some. Uh, the, the, sometimes it feels um, uh, a little stagey in a way. The rest of the movie doesn't. There's a lot of sort of reality in a lot of the other other parts. Um, and and you know the same thing is a little bit true with Jay Whitman's character too. Although I liked that character, I bought his the the sort of flamboyance. And I don't mean that just because he's gay, but mm-hmm. there, there's there's a there's a theatricality, I should yes. say, to the character um, that Archie has a little bit of too. And for whatever reason, I bought it more with uh, because there's so so many of the and the, the the elements of the movie that I like the most are the ones that felt the most real. Her relationship with D, her relationship with the kids, her relationship with the. Um, Actors, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, 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 these, these, those, uh, it, it felt even more alive to me there, and a little less like, um, uh, like indie movie. I don't know. Mm. There was something performative about it that didn't fit as much the rest of the movie. There were times I, there were times I was really into into it, but it may have been what you're saying. The relationship was what was interesting, not mm-hmm. necessarily the performance. Yeah, I, don't know. I that's a, I think an interesting point that it was more felt more stage play e and maybe that's and maybe that's it maybe that the um style or tone with which he delivered it was more stage mm-hmm. yeah so again i'm not no i i don't mean to disrespect peter kim um but in this role it didn't always work for me uh-huh. yeah but like you um reiterated the relationship i thought was really was really great and is you know i think the um we are lucky when we have a friendship that lasts that long and continues to grow and change and is allowed to do that. Right, and right. so in that moment, which is also a little cliche, when you're fired, I quit at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that wrapped up in a bow in a way that it wouldn't necessarily in full real life. But I think it it was demonstrating that, okay, we are going to allow our relationship to move forward mm-hmm. And we are going to continue to buy into our relationship. Mm-hmm. It just needs to change, as we do. And that's why I think it's the the writing is working, and maybe the performance is not quite as much. And again, this is like we're talking like for me anyway, like a B plus versus an A minus yeah. A for the rest of what's going on. 100%. So it's a it's a close. You know, we're 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 um, splitting hairs a little bit at this point. But I had a similar uh, I had a similar reaction to that. Mm-hmm. You said the parts that you. Well, I'm rephrasing, but the parts that you love the most were the parts that were the most real. Can you give me an example? Well, this is where I think maybe we could talk about the kids, um, uh, her class of kids. And I kind of feel like I need to watch it again to fully unpack all the things that are going on. It's it's light and breezy in the way that like teen. It, it, I should say that makes it sound. Um, uh, I don't. It's it's quick, um, and and there's and there and there. It's funny in a lot of, a lot of times in those those scenes, um, and her reactions to the kids and their reactions to her are are really fun and interesting and funny and dark sometimes and even some scary at a moment or two. There's some violence that erupts in that classroom, but there's so much going on inside that vis-a-vis their relationship to each other, their relationship to her, their relationship to the art that they're trying to make, um, and and her, uh, what, is she going to allow them to do this this play about sperm and you know like they they're they're it's it's such an interesting and um uh I haven't unpacked all of what's going on but I they really felt like you had taken Rada and dropped her in a real classroom of students high school students and they were just acting and reacting as they normally would. I mean, I, 
I, may, maybe it was all fully scripted. I would believe either way. I, I, I think she's strong, uh, clearly a, a, a gift enough writer. It could be scripted or it could be, uh, you know, that the, they've improvised it um, based on sort of ideas that she had. I don't know. But I loved those scenes and I loved sort of, I didn't know where they were going to go. And that was part of the, the joy of the movie, I think. Uh, what do you think about the uh, the classroom kids? No, absolutely. I, I loved it. And as a, again, as a viewer that is often watching the movie that is about the kids in the classroom. Yes. Um, this, I, again, I, eh, too many words using them over and over again, but I think refreshing is a great example of it. You get some sense of, of a little bit of what they're going through in their lives, mm. but that's also made clear, you know, this is not dangerous mind. She says this, right. She calls right? it out. Right. Right. I thought of you immediately when she said that. I may have watched that a few times <laughs> in the nineties. Um, there's nothing wrong with watching a Michelle Pfeiffer movie a few times. Just, <laughs> I'm just going to say. Um, but as someone who is, uh, I have not spent a lot of time with high school kids, but I've spent a lot of time with college students who are a little bit older, but also there's um, teams and camaraderie. The way that they supported her and yeah. were enthusiastic and, and yeah, gave her the business a little bit. Challenged her. But, but the, the, it was more positive. Their interaction was more positive and more supportive than I think is often portrayed. And at least in my experience is more true. You're not going to connect with every student you have and they should not be your best friends. We can blah, 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 blah. And often there are connections and there is support and they're excited to see what they could do next. Right, right. And sometimes as... um an educator, supervisor, however your relationship is with them, they are kind of looking to you of like, oh, this could be. And there's an excitement there and a support there. Mm-hmm. And I loved that that was true throughout yeah. the movie, right? And that losing the kids and getting the kids back was not what this was about. For them, I mean, there are, you know, a, some specific interesting stories of individual students, but in general, that crowd of students is there in the audience, regardless of what room they're in. Right. And there's a, they're the Greek chorus of the the thing. And they, and, and the, um, uh, you know, the, the movie never, the movie so often shifts when you think it's going to head toward one cliche and it will, and it will switch. So when she calls out, this isn't dangerous. It's like, Mm -hmm. and it's true. It's not, it's not what the concerns of this movie are. She's concerned about the kids mm-hmm. to the degree that she's concerned about people and kids she cares about and all that. But it's not it's not what the movie's about. But that they come to her like rap battle or not it wasn't the battle was later. She comes they come to her rap performance mm-hmm. that goes horribly wrong. Oh, man. And they're so excited for her and you know and then they come to her opening and they have to talk, talk their way in both times <laughs> past, um, you know, uh, in one case, a bouncer. Yeah, and in some one sort case, of gatekeeper. A gatekeeper, right, right. Sort of ticket taker. And, and we, we uh, uh, but so they, they work their way and they're so excited for her both times. And then when the play, when the play is over and the play we, we are meant to, to read as not good, but popular, um, that people are very excited about, it, especially the white people in the audience are cheering for this play. And the kids are really excited because people are cheering for a play. Their teacher made a play and it's amazing. And they're cheering and they're whooping. And then she comes out and has her, the thing at the end of the movie where she calls up the title and does the does her, her, her rap and sort of burns down her own show in a way. And they're even more excited for that. <laughs> and that felt so true to me to to real life as you're saying and i i love that tracking that through the movie 
They're also great actors. Yeah, no, they're like like I said, there it was very clear that they had their own uh, motivations and stories and things going on um, that I don't think we have to get into necessarily, but um, but that she is important in a slice of their lives in the same way that they are important in a slice of hers. It's also not Dangerous Minds because it's not her whole world. Right. Right. right? This is her day job. And so, yes, she cares to an extent. Right. And it is not her whole identity. Right. As as an artist or as a person, um, that's such a great point. It's the it's the slice of both their lives, and it's really intense because it's it's a, is a short period of time, and they're at such a formative age that that is a very this, it, their concerns are so present and you know immediate. And then she goes and but she's having her own issues, like it's her own. She's she's having she's they're all everyone's coming of age in the movie, the kids and her, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're just at different sort of different sort of points. Um, but there, but there's um, real respect for both. You know, you can imagine the the version of this movie <laughs> that's the anti teen twenty something coming of age that is disrespectful or, or mocking of that of like oh you know the, your problems aren't really real until you're turning forty and now or and this movie isn't interested in that it's like no we're all going through this mm-hmm. and we're all constantly coming of age in different ways and it's okay if you're coming of age in this way at this point in your life and I, I like that they she was honoring all of that in the movie I thought yeah, absolutely I think that's true of the students as well as the hip-hop world that she walks into um in brooklyn is that where she goes no she's from brooklyn i think she's going to the bronx she's going to the bronx i think but um but i think that when you were talking the last point you made about the kids i think is also true for that slice of um instagram (laughs) hip-hop um which we can talk about too the next thing I wanted to talk about is the play. Okay, since yeah, we're yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. So this is so hard. Oh my god, this is so hard. It's it's hard to watch. So it was hard to watch her bomb at the at the little the little rap showcase. Right. That I do not I do not enjoy watching. Um, I knew it was going to happen. Like the minute she gets high, I knew it was going to happen. It was also really hard to watch this play unfold, and. Part of my coping with that being difficult was um, thinking about, so she's told pretty early on that she needs white people in the play so that the audience, which, and I think it's common understanding that a Broadway audience tends to be older and whiter. That's right. So a theater audience tends to be older and whiter currently. Right. Hopefully, you know, again, everyone moving forward, hopefully. Um but so the, this producer, this old white producer, is saying we need entry points. We need for the audience to see themselves. And then I realized, oh, that's true in the movie also, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That in I'm thinking of the scene in rehearsal where and 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 Rada says I want a I want a black director, and they say absolutely we can do that for you. And then the sentence there the line. All the working black directors already have jobs was just so, do you hear yourself, right? (laughs) And the answer is no, they don't. But um, we're in the rehearsal, and now there's a a white lady uh, director and a white lady neighbor that then becomes a really important part of the play and talking about what the soy milk represents. And I was just like, oh, no, this is for me. 
<laughs> right? Because, yes, it's the same in this movie that, like, she's making the same point about the entry point for a generally white audience, which right. I don't know the breakdown of Netflix membership, but I guess my naive assumption would be that also the there's the, the majority yeah, of Netflix folks. Um, but anyway, that that helped me with the social um, awkwardness that I was feeling <laughs> in that room, but then also was like, oh, you're, you are this clever. Right, like, right, you're right. doing this to show us that you're doing this for us as well. Right, right, right. I don't know. That and, was my thought. And, and I had the thought, too, of recognizing when other, other times when it had been probably done for me that I was not aware of at the time. Oh. I'm like, oh, I... Someone did this because they thought I wouldn't have an access point another way. And it's entirely possible that I would not have... You know, gravitated toward it. I mean, you know, different different times in one's life and right. um, at different things. And, and it's a discussion, right? Do we, to what extent, do we need an entry point that mirrors our right. experience or identities, etc.? As someone who has been in rehearsal spaces and and worked with actors and and I don't know, potentially made compromises, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, how did you feel about the realness of the, those workshop rehearsals? Well, to, with the understanding that I have a, com, I have a very different relationship to all of this as a white dude. I mean, I, I, the, the, you know, any compromises I've been asked to make have, have been very different and of a different order and a different scale. And so, with the understanding that that's different, um, the there so in addition to the issues of the, the the director being Julie Lipschitz, who is you know thoroughly not understanding the play as intended, who did something like the color purple raisin, white or raisin something. in the raisin sun. The sun. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt you because I asked you a question, but the revolving the merry-go-round of changing up identities in in like what were culturally relevant pieces of art and the the changing black female lead of whatever musical he wants to produce <laughs> yes that those two running jokes cracked me up every time every time the the, the musical is the Shirley Shirley Chisholm musical mm-hmm. the Tama musical and there was a third one I can't remember now uh what it was uh but yes yes so I you know so in addition to the to that aspect of the 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 uncomfortable the, the cringe the cringiness of those sequences of the of the director clearly not understanding the intent of the of the play and the black actor the woman who's going to play the black character in the play Stacy I just know Stacey's, is the actor Stacy Sargent played uh, oh Stacy yeah her name's Stacy yeah um, the character and the actor um, so her, her calling out Rada for the um, uh, vernacular the language that she was being asked to use in the play that had changed from the original writing of the of the movie and and I or of the of the of the play um, so in addition to all of that stuff there's also just the the cringing of the writer having to sort of yes and whatever suggestion is coming and losing control right um, and it's more so in um, you lose more control in movies than in theater but clearly in theater it's a thing too right because I, I like to tell my students that the writer on a, on a movie is the most essential and least important person on the movie they, <laughs> they can't do it without the words that you put on the page but then you're not at all important once they have the words on the page and I, 
ideally in the theater it's different you have a lot more control but that's clearly of a certain kind of <laughs> certain background a certain um uh you know uh, position but anyway i so i cringed in all kinds of ways through those scenes and that that were really good it's probably the part i was i would be the most uncomfortable to watch again to see her have to compromise so much and to know what it's doing you can see on her face mm-hmm. as she's having to sort of nod along with these terrible things that the that this director is is misinterpreting about her work and then sitting next to Rada is the actor who plays the white character in the play and she is also nodding along like getting exactly what um uh what's being what's being said in the in the uh place um and so anyway i I found the scenes intensely uncomfortable in all kinds of ways i think i i want to shout out both stacy and um uh, Megan, who plays Jamie, the Megan O'Neill, who plays Jamie, the the white neighbor, um, they were both out. Those were really good. outstanding, yeah, really good. and and I think Megan is is closest to a punchline yeah. of a character totally. that we have. Totally, and I felt that she was all in. She played, you know, she played that beautifully, and and. So that and sincerely, that's like, what I meant. She yeah. doesn't know. She's not acting like she's a punchline, and yeah. she's also like, she thinks she's on the right, right side of all of this. Like, not Megan. Uh, Jamie does, right? Like, yeah. Jamie thinks that she is doing great work here, and she's nodding along with the soy milk analogies. And like, yeah, you're right. We all just need to get along, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just oh, oh, oh. It's, it hurts. It it's hurts so much. Tough. And I think what um, what made watching the play happen. Um, more fun for me was they would cut to the folks that came from the original theater company that that we are to understand was originally going to put the play up that's um you know a uh, uh, long-standing black owned and operated very you. small off-broadway theater company the, like the, the seats aren't even like bolted down I don't think right and it's it's leaking and and there's sort of jokes about it you know putting your play up in this leaky place and yet the original material was honored there in a way it's not honored here the um, theater uh, is he the owner the proprietor of the theaters Um, his reactions are so gorgeous and when he thwarps the fan Oh, as a big drag race fan, <laughs> I, I know a couple of things about a, a fan thwarp, and um, that was played beautifully. It's it is what's so cool is they're 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 juxtaposing those shots with the older white uh, historically accurate um, his, uh, theater goers, the white theater goers who are like digging this play more and more. They're 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 dancing in their chairs yeah, a little bit with, with a sort of hip hop, which which of course made me think of. Um, you know, in the Heights, which is about to make its movie debut, right, but right. popular um, pre Hamilton, Lin Manuel Miranda, and also Hamilton as, yep. and they make a Hamilton joke at some they point do. in yeah. the, in this. But um, but yeah, I think everybody did such a great job um, in that audience of of demonstrating where kind of the different audience members were coming from and where they were meeting the material. What's really neat too is that in this movie you see. Uh, b- uh, several sort of 
um, cultures. Um, and I don't mean, well, in terms of like you see theater culture and the compromises and the authenticity, compromise versus authenticity and, and, and selling out and all that stuff. Uh, and the things that you need to do that, you know, that Archie does to get her play on, the things that she does to the play to, to, to get the play up on Broadway. You see the, the a little bit of the educational uh, culture, and then you see this um, beat-making rap hip-hop culture. Um, and it, and, and the, even at Dee's studio, you see at one point he's listening to a, some kid do a, a young, young man do a, a, a rap uh, that is the most generic, you know, empty rap, and he and he's he's just dead inside. <laughs> D is and like he the thing the, the the beat stops and he doesn't barely notices, and then he calls it out. He says like you're not you don't have a story to tell. What happened to stories? Yeah. And so you can, you're seeing sort of authenticity and inauthenticity in in several of these sort of. It's not the province of just one, right? You can sell out any way you go, and and it's not like oh you go rap and therefore you're authentic, right? Rada does, <laughs> you know. Maybe the maybe the the guy who wasn't a great rapper could write a wonderful play that would be, you know, <laughs> right. uh, like who knows, who knows. But there, it was an interesting that sort of explored that in in several ways through the through the movie. That's a great parallel to make, um, and I think that jumps us over to let's talk a little bit more about um, D and the hip hop. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the game, I'm very excited about the game. Okay. Okay. Um. So I. I was not familiar with the actor, um, Oswin Benjamin, who played D. And then I looked, and this is the only, you know, IMDb credit he has. Right. I, I need to do some more research to see, is he really, does he really make beats, as they say? Is that what they say? Create beats? Be creative? Uh, that's my understanding. And he, he is a, uh, it appears that that is what he does, in fact. I <laughs> love it. Um, and so for a, I would say, non-actor... Yeah, but maybe because, in part, because he, the party was playing was so true to life. Um, I I believed him. He also doesn't. I'd say this with. Um, I mean, this as a compliment. Yep. He doesn't do a lot, and that's part of it, right? At first, and several points, my social anxiety was pinged um, several times at the beginning when Rada is seeking entrance to this particular apartment but like this culture and this getting back into the the hip-hop that she was interested in was practicing as a as a young person although 40s not old let's just put that out there too (laughs) again you little whippersnappers listening um so i i think that that worked very well but that that social anxiety part you know when he gets up and walks away several yes, times. Yes, yes. And I, after not saying anything to her, and yeah. I don't know if she's supposed to follow her or not. Like we don't know. Is this going to be awkward or is it not? And then I think it was. It felt so real and and smooth and sexy when they were in the car. And after he takes her to see the underground battle, um, he shows up at rehearsal. Right, and he's like, "This is this is corny bullshit." Right. <laughs> yeah, he calls her out right away. Yeah. Which again. You know, there's a lot more going on, and Rada's trying to explain that, right? She's trying to pay bills and to get her art up kind of at whatever cost, which is also okay, right? right? right. I'm not—anyway. But when he says, yeah, I'm here for anything you need, I was like, oh, Oh, yes. And she gets it, too, in that moment. It's like, oh. Yeah. Oh. I thought that was just mm, chef's kiss perfection. I think their chemistry is so— 
good. It is electric. It is sexy. It is. And, and there is something about his reticence to speak and her. She's trying to find an outlet for her voice. Like she's trying to speak the entire movie. And it's sort of only when he's there to with the beats like the beats to sort of um, provide the foundation. And then together, they both sort of come to some fruition. Yeah, I mean, there's some kind of a, their message across. Yeah, they're like a, they, 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 they he recognizes in her pretty quickly a kindred spirit or at least at least a, a partner in music and then a partner in other other ways <laughs> as well um, in ways that that feel um, honoring of her mm-hmm. and of himself and but also like honoring of the work they make together like I think he is um, he seems to be they both seem to be into each other both personally and like artistically, artistically yeah which is so cool and then and there's also then that parallel between so he I, I don't I'm not an expert, but um, sort of as the producer of at least the beats, but of the tracks, if you will, for her mixtape, juxtaposed with Jay Whitman, the producer of her play, that wants to tell any story except the one that she's trying to tell versus then Dee, who recognizes in her this story, which is lacking in some of the other um, you know, dude bros that are hanging around. There's dude bros <laughs> everywhere is also what I learned it's in true. this story. It's true. Um, that, that that's such a, a, a beautiful juxtaposition as well. And and also that it is not that simple, that there are other, you know, concerns and it's not just one or the other um, that she has to kind of travel with both time kinds of producers to kind of get to the destination. That's such a great, I hadn't thought about how they relate to one another. And it's so, uh, that's so interesting and that they're Jay Whitman wants her sort of, um, sees it as, doesn't even just want her, like sees it as, um, you know, just the cost of doing business to fundamentally change misunderstanding what she's after. And that's, really hard for her to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then D wants her to like stick completely to what she believes in. And that's really hard for her to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I completely empathize with as a, you know, as a, a person trying to, you know, make a living in a creative field that that's, that's a real, um, how to find your way and who to listen to and who, who, when you need to compromise and when you need to stick to your guns is like, uh, that's everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the movie, you know, again, honors the struggle of that on all sides. And I, and I agree with you. It doesn't, I think, pass judgment mm-hmm. on someone who would, who would maybe not, um, you know, allow their best friend to, you know, <laughs> you know, be, be sexually harassed as a way to get your work up. Like there are, there are things that would be, uh, hopefully a bridge too far for a lot of people at this point. However, just understanding that the, the, um, the struggle of that, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is uh, another sort of point in the movie's favor. Well, and and bringing up that um, the idea of a, a lack of judgment or not passing judgment on the route you take to um, bring in the wisdom of the lesser artistic sibling, <laughs> right? It's really when she finally gets. Um, goes to visit her brother and is in you know to in in part to deal with some of their mother's things and their art that his experience he sees his mother's story in a different way mm-hmm. and and does not see i think passes less judgment maybe than 
Rada was. And I think likely because Rada also being an artist, like her perception of, of her mother's work and life, I think is, is, um, uh, interpreted through her own artistic mm-hmm. lens. I mean, as obviously all of our perceptions are through our own, but, but from, you know, the brother's perspective was she did a little bit of everything right, and right, it right. was all her art and right. it was all her truth. Right. And we are, we are the product of her art. Yeah. Yeah. Versus who is teaching a cop out or is changing your, cause he's at the play too. And, and all I see from him is, Kind of like the students' excitement and support, support. of his sister yeah, doing yeah. this thing, right, right? right? It matters less to him what the lines are, maybe what it's saying. And I don't know that I'm interpreting that, but um, but I liked how it was that. I liked how it was the sibling, of course, that um, <laughs> sort of was able to demonstrate a different perspective through which to view their mother's artistic journey that then kind of reverberates back and she's maybe allowed to see her own journey a little bit differently too. Right. That gives her, gives her permission to see it through this other lens. Um, and for us to see it too, like you were introduced to the fact that the mom was an artist earlier, but not the range of stuff that she did. And so we're getting it the same time that she's being reawakened to it or is given this new lens by her brother to see it through. And the the movie opens up in a, in a way there um, that, that feels so, so true um, and, and powerful. I I thought that was a a great way to do it. And it's, you know, the brother is a running thing. He, 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 we hear several voicemails, uh, from him. And so it's, you know, again, this thing that's kind of an expected thing, you know, we're going to see the brother and the, but then it's just handled so deftly and yeah. s- such a light touch, but so, so such authenticity. And I, um, I just admire the hell out of the way she does so yeah. many of those, of those, uh, those beats. Yeah. I top to bottom. This it's was a, good movie. This is a really good movie. I really do encourage folks, even if, if it's not, maybe they, a storyline you would normally look at or I don't even I don't even know if it doesn't you know um if the trailer doesn't push your buttons I would say give it a give it a shot it's absolutely you will find something in it it's also really funny it has and it has grown in my estimation since I've seen it I've liked it more and more as time like I enjoyed the experience of watching it and then it has it has just grown since then so yeah check this one out absolutely in the meantime though Yes. Do you want to play a game? I would love to play. How'd you know? I'd love to play a game. So, again, this movie is called The 40-Year-Old Version. (laughs) Yes. And so I have a few... um, Okay, so I was really thinking about that. And what does the 40-Year-Old Version of something look like? Okay. So I have a list of things that are approximately 40 years old. Okay, okay. And the the things that I've picked um, in part are to do with that journey of where they started and where they are now. Okay. And that hopefully will come across. But the game part of it is that I also have some things that are older or younger than 40. Okay. So you're going to have to tell me which. You're younger and I'm older. <laughs> so um, which of these two things... Is and again, folks, I'm using the internet. I'm saying approximately. Look at <laughs> yeah. 80, 81, okay, right? Okay. Approximately 40 years old. Okay, okay. The UPC, the Universal um, Product Codes, the barcodes, barcodes in yeah. in um, grocery stores. Yep. Versus CDs. 
which is 40-year-old? Oh, wow. Um, oh, I'm going to say CDs. Tobin, you are correct. Wow. My research tells me 1980. Wow. Okay. The first album released on CD was Billy Joel's 52nd Street. Wow. The first album I bought on the CD was, was Stormfront. Billy Joel's Stormfront. <laughs> Here's looking at you, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> who, I, oh. who I think is a Billy Joel. <laughs> Sorry, did I just call you out? I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, so then that also made me think about how to get music now, right? Okay. There's okay. so, they're just content in general and thinking about, she found D on Instagram, right? Right, right, So right. we've gone from, <laughs> I have to buy. And look on Archie's face when she's like, I found this guy who makes beats on Instagram. Yeah. It's like, okay, sorry, go ahead. Which, because that, in some movies, that is a joke. Yeah, totally, and, totally. And, and in Archie's sense of things, it yeah, would be. It absolutely. Would, yeah, yeah. yeah, we, we should anyway, have, anyway, we should anyway. have given Archie more of yeah. a, yeah. Um, okay. Nintendo. Mm. Or Tamagotchi, which, if you'll remember, is a small electronic, um, like the first electronic pet, if you will, which is approximately 40 years old. Boy, I'm going to say Tamagotchi. Tobin, that is incorrect. Oh. We didn't have Tamagotchis till 1996. Well, I know we didn't, but I thought maybe somebody did. <laughs> Good point. Um, so, uh, Nintendo and... We didn't, and, we didn't have Nintendo until 1996. That's a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> Not until you won a coloring contest. I won a coloring contest. Yep. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. Um, so, uh, again, gamers, I'm, I know I'm wrong on all the things, but I have 1983 as Nintendo and okay. in the U.S. in 1985. Okay. So, we okay. go from... That old bulky Nintendo, right? Yeah. To now wireless parties, people can game across continents. Right, right. People make money by by publicly gaming? Yep. Bizarre. We have an esports team at the university I teach at. I mean, yeah. What it's just part of it is what a world, what a world. What a world, what a world. Um, this one I'm just realizing I do not have a comparison oh, for, so okay. this one is going to be an easy point for you, Tobin. Tobin is you can make up something. <laughs> That's true. One of two points so far. So home camcorder is 40 years old. Yeah, early 80s. Wow. That's what I have there. Yeah. Uh, by Sony. Yep. Okay. okay, here's here's a great one. Okay, All right, I'm and ready. it's in line with with this uh, film. Okay, Cats on Broadway <laughs> versus the Rubik's Cube, which is approximately forty years old. Oh, Cats on Broadway. You are correct. Yes. <laughs> Rubik's Cube, as I think we discussed in a different episode, is seventies. Yeah, nineteen seventy four. But so. Cats. Remember growing up and like cats was the thing. I do. Right? Memory, baby. Memories. Yeah. Um, and now we have that weird movie. Yeah, which I've still never seen. I haven't seen it. I listened to the How Did This Get Made? Oh. Yeah. And that was Is that delightful? A fever dream and delightful. And I think I we're going we're calling a lot of people out here. I believe Natalie, love you, Natalie, was delighted by it. But she is a cat. A person, person, if you will. Yes, yes. Well, I, I've, I've heard um, from a number of students since the last movie they saw in a movie theater. <laughs> oh, see? So I'm just, I, I it's was... It's Cat's fault. This is all Cat's fault. I was struck by the fast forward 40 years and where we are now yeah. in a number of these. Yep, yep, yeah. Including the next okay, one. Okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. Cool Ranch Doritos. Ew. Or... Charles and Diana getting married. 
Cool Ranch Doritos. No! Oh, no ding! It's closer. Cool Ranch Doritos came to us in 1986. Okay. But was a big deal, apparently. Okay. Charles and Diana was 1981. Oh, I should have known that. I think because I accidentally gave you a big clue when I said a lot of these things are coming back up. Right. Well, I didn't, wasn't thinking about that. Oh, I was great. thinking of, so I've, I'm visiting the, our parents. Yep. So the Harry and, and Meghan Markle was on um, Entertainment Tonight for multiple evenings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so thinking about this this movie talks a lot about race and culture, yep. thinking about what, what we <laughs> may know or, or are rumored to be true now and where we might go in the future. I'm excited about where we might go in the future. Yep. But 40 years well, so ago. Here's what you need to know about Islam. <laughs> At some point, I think it's when I was in college and I came home. So she had been living at home with our parents and the dogs without me there. And um, I think this is right. That, that what was a time where um, Aizen said we were at, eating dinner probably. And um, Aizen joined the conversation and then like skipped th- three subjects in rapid succession. <laughs> and I interpreted for our I think probably it was dad um, the missing links in between yeah. that I that I knew because I knew you the where how you joined all this stuff together that just happened there because you saying <laughs> this thing comes back again I, I, I mean I was thinking the crown do you know what I mean like that also though, right <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. just got the Diana chapter of the crown I remember seeing on TV footage of that wedding I'm sure because I'm sure mom watched it yep, yep. okay the development of post-it notes or the boys the boycott of the Moscow Olympics oh see I should know when the Olympics were um Olympics you are correct 1980 which I think you knew in the back of your head I did I mean I that's why I guessed it so just thinking okay at that point we were going to take we took a stand we took a a moral and ethical stand, and whether financial. and financial, mm-hmm. whether you know we believe that's right now or not. I don't have the details. Mm-hmm. Um, versus now and bots and yep. Facebook information and all that. Yep. Yep. Um, post-it notes developed in the seventies, but weren't didn't hit the market till the eighties. So that okay. was a little bit of a cheat. So yeah. I'm glad you got sneaky, it right. Sneaky. Okay. Yeah. It's like the time of Are you okay. ready? Yes. Push through can tops, right? The uh, yeah of a soda can um, versus the um, Sandra Day O'Connor becoming a justice, which is about 40 years old. Sandra Day O'Connor becoming a justice. You are correct, 1981. So also a callback to, um, you know, one of the darkest moments of 2020 when we lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh. Um, it, uh, processed in real time on an early episode of this podcast. Uh, uh, I believe I it process was, uh, more here than I do in general. <laughs> uh, Legally Blonde, I believe, is the episode where we really, uh, really we processed dug that. Into that. But then we also watch on the on basis, the basis of, of sex. sex. Yep. Um, so that again, which we would not watch today. What? Okay, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, Army Hammer. Oh, me. gotcha. Yes. Okay. Um, Anyway, so I Sorry. just thought another mm-hmm. leap 40 years ahead and how far ahead and what does that mean? And I don't know. Just got me thinking, yep. folks. Yep. I, mean, yep. I am, as I am bolstered by hope, I am also then thinking about where we are and where we might go. Right. And finally, AIDS, the AIDS epidemic, okay. is identified by scientists 
versus Bob Ross show on PBS. Like premiering? Yes. Oh, boy. I'm going to say Bob Ross. This is the closest in in age, and um, so it is incorrect. Okay, okay. Bob Ross didn't start till 1983 and okay. went to 94, so it's really more of a later 80s. Yep, yep, yep. Whereas 1981, and yeah, again, I don't have a lot of all the details. I'm not a historian on the AIDS epidemic, but thinking about where it started, the... <sighs> Betrayal that um, many communities felt by the federal government as well as states to right. ignore and push aside. And also now we have some medications. We have some um, ways to move forward with with less fear. Right. And we're able to talk about it more. I mean, I think there is. And Anthony Fauci is behind helping both. It all comes back Fun, to Fauci for us. Yeah, so, yeah. We, love our, we love us some Fauci. I just wanted to think about where where we've come from, where we are, and where we might go in the future. So I, thank that's you. That's so great. That's so great. I, you know, I th- if you, when you s- barely a game. I, <laughs> no, well, I won, so I think it's a it's absolutely a game for uh, <laughs> anyone keeping score. Thank you, Eileen. That was that was lovely. Thank you for participating with me. Now's the point in our podcast where we discuss our closing thoughts on the movie and decide whether it's progressive or regressive. <laughs> big, big, a lot of uh, uh, um, suspense here. Uh, Iselin, is this movie a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? What say you? I think absolutely this is a, a movie project that exemplifies what you just said. Um, in, in the movie, she's not able to... Produce. She's not. She's not given the opportunity to direct. I don't know if she was interested in that. But, but the movie is both written and directed by her. Um, that it is. Things don't have to be loosely autobiographical. But in this case, I I really feel that. You've mentioned also the aspects that feel so true to life. Um, she's translated that beautifully. And in someone else's hands, I don't think it would have come out this way. I don't think it would resonate with us the way it does. Um, and it wouldn't be as good. And I think this movie's outstanding. It's absolutely progressive. What do you think? Oh, of course. Of course. Obviously. Uh, uh, and, you know, authentic, authentic is a word that comes up time and again with this. And I hadn't thought about it exactly the way you said it, but to echo what you say, like, it's, it's because of her. Um, and so I'm glad that she took and found the opportunity to make this movie and engage the talents of as many women as she did to make this movie and i just think they did a hell of a job so yeah i can't wait to see more i know i know i had that that's the first i have the movie finished i can't wait to see what she does next like i am on board yeah absolutely what are we going to talk about next time well tobin next up we have what we're calling off you're kidding. It's Oscar month in April? Wow. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm it just, is. That was me pretending to not know. Yes, but I also then suddenly had that fear of like, wait, <laughs> is it always in April? I don't think no, it is. No, 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 no. They've moved it back because of the pandemic. So, right. yeah, yeah. Pushed, pushed back. So, um, this year, two women are nominated for Best Director for the first time ever. So, again, it's like Equal Pay Day. Thanks so much. (laughs) Um, But we want to cover um, both. So, we will be covering Nomadland, which you can find on Hulu. That's right. Elsewhere? On Hulu, yep. Um, On April 13th, and Promising Young Woman, 
which you can find on HBO Max. Not yet. You have to rent it right now. Oh, apologies. You have to yeah. rent that one, but... Um, From any place, you know. Should be worth it for the discussion um, on April 27th. So two episodes next month to celebrate female directors in 2021. Yes, yeah, so the 2021 Oscars, the 2020 year movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm very excited. Have you seen either of these movies yet? Not yet. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, one we'll watch before the Oscars, and one we'll, we'll talk about after the Oscars, so we'll be able to sort of bridge the whole Oscars. Uh, the whole Love Oscars it. Month. I can't wait. In the meantime, Tobin, um, where are you available for um, comments and questions about... About being over 40. Yes. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington. I will respond to you with all the all the knowledge that I have about uh, about passing 40. Um, <laughs> eyes on you, young spring chicken you. Where can people find you online? And do you want to be found these Ugh, days? I am at Sassy Nerd MT intermittently. Um, so, yes, please come on by. Uh, reignite my disdain for Twitter. <laughs> Um, And you can find us on Twitter at contenders underscore pod or on Patreon at thecontenderspod.com. Special thanks to our members who have joined at the marquee level or above, Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington. Yay. Oh, and go get your swag. Uh, Get some swag. It's fun. I I love my little spiral notebook. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Do do you have a, a, um, a, a tote bag? I do have a tote bag. How do you like that tote bag? How's that working for you? I love it. I was gifted the large tote bag, which is great. Um, I also have a smaller tote bag from Tee Public. And so I I find them both high quality for the price, honestly. I'm not even BSing you right now. (laughs) Um, And uh, that cartoon artwork, um, in that case, was also uh, um, created by my partner. So also that's fun. Yeah. Um, Good times. Yeah. Excellent. We here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me, and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at Cage Club Pod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Tobin Addington. I'm Iceland Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. White man with a black woman's butt. How you carry all that back there? What the fuck? Yes, what the fuck?